0: special Friday night edition of the pod number one I figure there's gonna be a lot of people at home this weekend maybe more than usual and also we didn't get a chance to really do a full episode on Wednesday with the news that the NBA season had been suspended so we're gonna try and get back to our normal tone here we've done a few episodes now talking about COVID-19 We really, I I thought it was very therapeutic, frankly, to do our episode yesterday. We just talked about what we loved uh, about basketball. And also at the end yesterday, I talked about what I think we can all try to be doing in our communities, within our own social networks uh, to encourage social distancing. Basically, I'm hoping that we all resolve to reach out to 10 people a day and try to explain to them why this is so serious, why social distancing is required, and that it is going to take some short-term pain, particularly economic pain. But hopefully that will lead to this all being over more quickly and the economy getting back to normal faster. Because I do think at this point, whether it's through positive tests or individuals being symptomatic at businesses and gathering places, whether it's someone close to the people who go to these places, whether it's just a general lack of customers, whether it's an actual government mandate that comes down My prediction is that within the next week or two, most businesses are going to need to close anyway, except the ones that are providing absolutely essential services to keep people alive. And so it's better to just do it now. And if you know someone in your life, particularly someone who has a lot of influence over whether people get this disease, like a business owner, I encourage you to have a a frank talk about these issues. My wife is actually doing that with the yoga studios that she works at. She had a, a great Instagram post today, trying to encourage People in her communities to social distance and to close down, frankly, because yoga studios are one of the more risky places for transmitting this virus within their community. So there's a lot of other businesses like that as well. And I've gotten a lot of great messages from people who are trying to do the same thing. Talk to a bartender in Minnesota, someone in Toronto. Feel free to message me if you want some advice about how to have this conversation with people. And I've been continuing to post stuff publicly, whether it's research or talking points to try to get people to do that. But all right, that's not why you're here. I tried to keep that short. Let's get to some actual basketball analysis here. And this is with... It looked back at the Eastern Conference over-unders that we picked. Danny, how are we going to extrapolate out whether we won or lost or not here? I mean, I guess some of them might be right on the borderline, but what do you think is the best way to do this?
1: I decided on a kind of a two-pronged approach. I mean, obviously, we don't even know if the regular season is quote-unquote over, but part of why it felt good to do this now is because we're going to recap the season as it occurred. And so we can go through that. And the two the two me- metrics that I wanted to use were their a team's current win total on is extrapolated for 82 games, because that's what over-unders are set on, and then 538's Raptor models overall win projection. And as it turns out, there are only two teams in the entire NBA where there is a divergence between those two that affects a team's over-under. And both of those are in the Western. Conference And this is the Eastern Conference. So we'll, we'll cross those bridges when they come. And so that way, it's it, it's a fair proxy. It's that because the Raptor model accounts for schedule strength and changes that occurred to player availability as a projection of where things were going. It is not guaranteed. We don't know where things would have gone. But I, I think that was a, a fair proxy. And the fact that they were simpatico on so many teams made me feel better about you know what's calling that a, a a prohibitive you know like a temporary winner and loser and a good example of that um I, I think maybe the Hawks had, be, had had mathematically clinched it had that they were that they were going to go under their over-under was set at 36 wins they were on pace for 24 and a half, and Raptor had them winning 26 games this year. And what I think tells the story here, I mean, this was one that you and I both picked the under, and we were both very confident, and it was one of our best bets. It was my number two and your number one best bet on the entire board, is the stats without Trey Young. So, and remember, they got Jeff Teague in no small part to try to help with these minutes, and he actually did. But when Trey Young was not on the four, the Hawks had a negative 13.2 net rating, and they had a ninety-nine 5 offensive rating, which is in the third percentile of all NBA lineups this league year.
0: Yeah, and that was eminently predictable. We've talked about it many times throughout the course of the season. They went into the season with Evan Turner, in theory, as their backup point guard. Did not have another conventional backup point guard on the roster. We thought that they would be one of the worst offensive teams in basketball without Trey Young. That absolutely was the case. We also foresaw big problems for them at center with the departure of Dwayne Dedman. They really didn't do anything to replace him at all. And remember too, they took on a lot of bad money in the offseason with Alan Crabb. Crab was looking injured at the start of the year that turned out he basically didn't contribute at all, other than just getting them Jeff Teague in an inexplicable trade. Um, you know, Damian Jones, Alex Len had a had a regression shooting the ball. Bruno Fernando was another center option. They had injuries at center, which didn't help much. And then we talked too about how they were gonna have Big problems on the wing starting, you know, potentially, if not starting, playing big minutes to two rookies in Hunter and Rush.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. And those issues were exacerbated by John Collins missing so much time and one of the rays yeah, of sunlight, Although
0: he had already looked like he was going to be injured at the start of the year, he right. did come back and play. But yeah, I mean, the 25-game suspension, that, that we didn't see coming, but that only exacerbated things.
1: Correct. Uh, but one of the positives, you could call it, from the Hawks season is that in the minutes when Trey Young and John Collins played together, which was about 1,900 possessions this year per Quincy Glass that filters out some garbage time, the Hawks were still underwater, but a lot less. They were a negative one- 1.7 net rating, and 112.7 offensive rating. Now, you need to get the defense a lot... You need to get the defense up to snuff for that lineup to actually be doing well against opponents, but the recognition that John Collins... Is not their center of the future? That he's more their power forward by not only trading for Dwayne Dedman, but trading for Clint Capella. That could help their defense enough to to start changing some of that around. And the argument in favor of let's say the Hawks over next season could be that that they're better positioned to, to handle that sort of thing. Now, we'll, we don't know where that number is going to be or anything like that, but there there are some positives, and also the the development of Reddish in particular later in the later in the season was encouraging as well.
0: Yeah, I think that's definitely the case. I mean, some of the other things, Kevin Herter didn't really take a step forward. He he was injured at the start of the year, 54% true shooting. You'd hope that he could have gotten to be a little bit better than that. Um, Vince Carter, who played almost 900 minutes for them, was one of the worst players in basketball at age 43, unfortunately, 47% true shooting, 7.6 PER. And one of the things we said, I went back and listened to our pod at the beginning was, well, how could this be wrong? Well, what if like Trey Young just like absolutely blows up? and he's done that beyond a level I think anybody reasonably could have expected at the start of the year and they're still going to go well under i mean that just shows you how bad a job they did building this group around him and i mean the the one thing that we probably didn't appreciate enough in part due to the injuries is just that like they couldn't hit a spot up three pointer yeah. on this team right that, like good. that was and if they could do that i think their offense actually could have been very good Uh, With young on the floor. This uh, other than that, though, is uh, pretty much average with Young on the floor, but when you see the drop-off without him, that's actually, like, Herculean lifting for him.
1: Let's jump to the Boston Celtics. The Celtics over-under was set at 49-and-a-half, and, a half, and they, are, they are going over it for these purposes. Their 82-game the pace was 55 wins. Raptor projection was 56. That is well clear. And a stat that I thought was telling here is that since Brad Stevens started with the Celtics, the team's defensive rating has only been below average once, and that was his first season they were 20th and it's so 2012 6517 and then fourth this year remember that year they were 15th their best player was Isaiah yeah. Thomas who They're, was a
0: I, the fourth in defense i just I didn't believe that was remotely possible
1: exactly and i think that that was to me was the lesson uh, the lesson of this for the for yeah. the celtics is that brad stevens is one hell of a coach and they they were able to they remember one of the things we talked about with them was oh maybe they'll get better if they can solve this defensive problem at center they didn't add anybody new they got they did get more from daniel tyson i think you know Cantor playing a little bit less than i anticipated maybe was a was a factor in it but
0: yeah T- tights i thought there uh, was i was like oh man maybe he can like give them some placeholder minutes at backup center, but I think he's looked so much better physically this year because remember he had knee surgery in the offseason a year ago or before the season a year ago like he's been a totally quality starting sorry I didn't see that coming at all
1: right and I I think that's a that's a really important part of the story also of course the the continued development of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and it, I mean it's it's a it's a huge success story on a lot of different fronts for the Celtics they were in, after a little bit of a swoon it ten, tentatively looked like they were gonna they were kind of in line for the three seed behind the raptors boy i hope we get to see that series at some point we would we, we'll have to we'll have to wait longer to know that but stevens the rest of this team and and it's not like they were appallingly healthy or anything like that they just were better than i thought they would be
0: yeah i mean top five in offense and defense moreover they've won 1.8 fewer games than expected so their yeah. true talent has actually uh been higher than this and one of the things that we did say is okay how is this going to be wrong because the over under was the over under
1: 49 and a half
0: yeah and so that just seemed too high to me, because uh, I, I felt like without Horford they were going to take a step back defensively. That wasn't the case at all. That they take a step back offensively without Irving that wasn't the case at all. But I said Gordon Hayward and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are all going to have to be way better than they were a year ago, and they all were. They, they all yes really a, a have been probably you know at least like the 80th percentile of my expectations, if not higher. And those guys have all been really good defensively. Um, you know we were worried about their depth a little bit, and that hasn't been amazing but they've been able to get by with that i thought one of the things i thought maybe they could go over is they would make a significant trade to upgrade its center. well that never materialized there really just wasn't that trade out there to be made but still i mean just great kudos to the whole organization stevens all those individual players for getting better and uh, They've uh, done a great job. I mean, they're the third best team in terms of point differential in basketball, which yeah. I never would have seen that coming.
1: Yeah, and that's something uh, Tim Bontemps and I talked about for Real Gym Radio was the development there and how, how that affects their, their viability moving forward because the Celtics with the money they committed to with Jalen Brown and Kemba Walker, you know, it was other than some draft picks and a few things like it was going to be mostly internal improvement, but they got a lot of internal improvement this year.
0: Yeah, when I went through and, and did my projections, of offensive and defensive rankings had their offense I projected their offense to be number nine still pretty good but I worried about what would happen when when Walker was off the floor obviously they're a lot better there and then on defense I thought they'd be pretty much mid-pack or around average and that was if I had to go back and just think about what I should have seen coming more than this it was probably just that they would be better defensively, that I just didn't give this group of wing defenders and Brad Stevens enough respect. Uh, I thought Cantor was going to play more for them as well. Um, you know, I didn't think Tice was going to give him as much as, as he had. But uh, that, if I'm going back and looking at my process, I think that's really to not trust this Boston team defensively, I think is, was my biggest miss. Mm-hmm
1: we could transition from from a team that we got really wrong to a team that i think both of us got pretty right and that was the yeah. brooklyn, the brooklyn nets the nets uh the projection was 44 wins we both went under i think we both felt pretty good about it K- knowing uh, i did not actually i, I, I thought i oh, thought that's right you were more of a you were more of an optimist on the nets than i was
0: yeah i mean i thought they were just gonna have an awesome offense this year uh with irving lavert and, witty and then ha- having a good amount of shooting around them maybe there's some chance that KD would come back at the end I thought uh, Allen and, and DeAndre Jordan were solid offensive centers uh, and I thought they'd take a step back defensively but obviously what really threw a wrench into this was Kyrie Irving only playing 20 games
1: yeah, and they they basically never had that big three guard rotation healthy at the same time. And that was a, a real challenge for Kenny Atkinson and very briefly Jock Vaughn. And but so they're going they're they're going under for these purposes. Forty four was the projection forty four was the over under set. Uh, eighty two game pace, thirty eight point four, raptor projection thirty six. So those are pretty, pretty far away. And injuries definitely didn't help. The offense not really being there. And one of my concerns with the Nets before the season was depth, and that ended up rearing its head more due to injuries. And their young guys not really stepping into larger roles, you know, Kurok's Musa, I mean Nwaba got hurt but like Nwaba could have gone in in some of that direction I mean Jared Allen was 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 really the only one but he to me was wasn't dramatically different from the guy that we had seen before
0: yeah and also you know Levert had that thumb injury not sure if you mentioned that but he missed a bunch of time I think you know his development really was only ramping up here within the last two or three weeks uh, before the stoppage so uh and they did get more defensive I mean if you told me that Irving was going to miss this much time, I mean I think we acknowledged that he might you know play 60 games but it, instead it ended up being 20 um you know i would have been way lower than this if i'd known that he was going to miss all those times because i thought they'd just be an offensive powerhouse and they just th- that wasn't the case but yeah so they're going to go under quite a bit uh, but they are uh likely going to make the playoffs if there are playoffs so i, I think i think we'll just we'll, we'll for now let's just uh maybe i'll put a moratorium on saying that there might not be a playoffs I think we'll, we'll just let's talk about it like it's still going to happen yep. uh at this point but yeah it's uh this was one where I don't know that you can really take that much away because th- their team was so different than what we thought it might be, um, and, and frankly, they did extremely well to have the record that they did.
1: Right, and I, I think part of it is this idea that if you're not sure, betting the under can be a good idea because there are more things that can go wrong than right for a lot of teams, especially if you don't have young like young players that are you think are really going to break out, and so injuries can derail it, and or a player just aging out of it. You know, that's something that I'm I, I'm. If I'm not sure, sometimes I lean in that direction. I should have done that a few other times, but I did in this case. I did not do that in the case of the Charlotte Hornets. Hornets over, baby! Hornets over, baby. It was 23, and a big part of why you and I both went over here, and hilariously considering the hashtag and everything else, it wasn't one of my five best bets, but really what Hornets over was about was just 23 wins is an extremely low number for basically any team that isn't just abjectly terrible going in and you think it's going to be that way going forward and Devonte graham was a good example of that i mean th- he, there's an argument that on pure talent the hornets are actually worse than this with how things turned out they outperformed their point differential um they were an absolute disaster in the non-gram minutes so this is the, this is a stat i pulled for this when Devonte graham was not on the floor the Hornets' net rating was actually worse than the Hawks without Trey Up. They were outscored by 15.1 points per 100 possessions. Worse offensive rating, 98.9, as opposed to that 99.5 for the Hornets. Yeah, or for the for the Hawks.
0: Yeah, and I I project because I didn't see Devonte Graham coming. I don't think anybody did, and and uh. I projected them in their own tier as the worst offense in the league, and if Devontae Graham hadn't blown up, I, they probably would have been there.
1: Right, and so, but the idea behind going over on a twenty-three. Also, we thought that they their veteran, you know, they had a lot of veterans. It didn't look like they were going to to tank overtly, and that was mostly wrong. Uh, they, you know, the veterans didn't. Add as much as I thought they would, you know. Batum in particular just didn't have that type of season, and also what would have affected this number. I mean, they still would have gone over just because they picked up a couple of wins against good teams, and they were so close towards the towards the the point. Was they also let Marvin Williams and and Michael K. Gilchrist go for buyouts at you know at, right after the trade deadline, and so that made them a lot worse. But the lesson the lesson for me here was that. Most teams, you know, if, if there's a reason to go over and oh to go over and you set it at 23, I mean that's just such a low percentage. Even if they end up going off the rails towards the end of the season, it's just a lot. Now that said, Devontae Graham is is the big reason why they're doing this, but also some good contributions from other young players.
0: Yeah, and Graham uh, has fallen off since that hot start. He's had some injury issues lately. And uh, they also have won 4.0 games more than expected per Cleaning the Glass, which is the third largest differential in the NBA. And
1: if I'm not not sure I mentioned it, uh, 23 was the number. 29 wins is their 82 game pace. 28 is the Raptor projection.
0: Yeah, they are 23 and 42 right now. So they were going to hit it. uh, But if they were four games worse... Than this oh, uh, right yeah. now then we'd be sweating it out for sure and you know especially with them you, going even younger now uh, they're be, you know they're playing the martin twins and Jalen mcdaniels uh, and uh, who knows how that would work i mean they were still playing hard they were still winning games Uh, right up uh, until the hiatus but it was uh, I I, like I'm not going to take a victory lap on this one it was more just like 23 is extremely low for each team I I had them projected as 30th on offense and in the second lowest tier on defense at 24th uh, I, I had a list of five teams that I thought would clearly be in the bottom five in defense, which didn't turn out to be the case, as we'll get to. But uh, Charlotte, in reality, was 27th on offense and 25th on defense, um, and sinking like a stone <laughs> on offense there as well.
1: Let's move to the Chicago Bulls. Bulls over-under was 33.5. You and I both went over there, liked the additions. They had a very productive offseason, getting Thaddeus Young, getting Tomas Satoransky. Wow, I just pronounced his last name differently than every single other time in my life. Anyway. You you um,
0: pronounce uh, a, a Czech name like he was Spanish yeah it was, that was, it was great
1: <laughs> um and so but that 33 and a half, uh 82 game pace 27.8 raptor 27 they were going to go under and there are a lot a lot of different parts of the story i mean the offense not being what we thought it could be and
0: yeah 28th on offense i mean that like the defense actually i think was uh about where where we had projected it at, well, at 14th and, and although remember in a the, different way
1: yeah remember in the early part of the season when their their effective field goal opponent effective field goal percentage was actually kind of kind of good and you're like oh he's doing that but it was always like that 538 location effective field goal precision. like the shots you're forcing to take was always or, terrible. or, or uh cleaning the,
0: yeah, clean the glass
1: yeah cleaning the glass and that went that you know eventually it regressed to the mean as it yeah. usually does once you get the sample size larger what helped their defense a lot was the aggressiveness forcing turnovers. Chris Dunn playing a larger role than I anticipated him doing was a big part of that, but also the scheme. Jim Bloom was doing, there were other negatives, but one of the positives was getting a lot of turnovers and turnovers and possessions without a shot.
0: Yeah, and I still think like, they did the best job that they could with that scheme uh and I think if they didn't have that scheme it might have even been worse certainly there are times when it could look really bad but I mean the 28th offense I mean that was what I didn't necessarily see coming just you know marking in again missing time but he the hope was that he could really be driving a lot of this Levine I mean I think he had about as good of a season as you could hope but he was one of my he might have been my pick actually for most improved players we'll talk about the the awards uh and go back on those on a future pod but uh levine wasn't necessarily able to drive a vision offense. so yeah we thought they could be a lot better offensively they weren't because of the injuries and obviously otto porter being out was just a a massive concern maybe if he had played more they would have come close to to meeting expectations here but i think part of the problem too is we felt like hey we're so down on a lot of these east teams Somebody has to be decent. Somebody has to be better. And no, as it turned out, nobody did. I mean, for number number nine in the East is probably going to finish with like you know thirty wins or something.
1: Yeah, it's incredible. Uh,
0: and and still be nine games out of the playoffs uh, or whatever it was. Um, who's next? There,
1: the Cleveland Cavaliers the Cavs over under was 24 and a half and they're they would have been close to it especially they'd had some feisty wins recently the but the 82 game pace was 24 wins and their Raptor projection was 23 so I think it's fair to put them in the under column which means both of us were correct and the talent level was a big part of the story here we just didn't think they were going to be good enough and they did they did get Andre Drummond which presumably would have helped over the long term but they just you know relying heavily on two young guards Sexton and Garland and then not having much of anything on the wing we weren't sure what they were going to get from kevin love who had missed so much time in the 18 19 season due to injury and i think the general analysis there was correct i was a little bit more confident on this i picked the cleveland under as my number three best bet and i do think it would have it would have happened but they were on the line of this because 20 i mean 24 wins
0: they were playing better under Bickerstaff. staff to the the, the, uh the dead coach bounce so
1: extend it extended bernie bickerstaff now
0: yeah yeah that's true We, we didn't get to that piece of news uh before the hiatus so uh yeah i think we had predicted i mean we knew they were the worst defense of all time basically last year i had them predicted 30th again there was absolutely no reason to think they'd be better and that in fact was correct they were uh really really bad defensively again this year so that part of it ended up coming true i mean i think garland if anything struggled more than expected they actually got more playing time out of kevin love than we necessarily would have thought they made this trade for drummond which i guess is is going to help them a little bit or would have for uh, the rest of the year. tristan thompson was a much better than we thought he would be he, yes uh had a pretty much a lost year last year and so it, it was and jordan clarkson we talked about how he was a trade candidate he did get traded i think that actually hurt them a lot because he was their best player i thought maybe even uh either him or love early in the season it was he had a nice year last year he was having a nice year this year and then it, it, that's of course why he got traded because he was the only guy on the team who had any trade value uh given his salary so yeah i think this was right on the borderline uh, I it was 24 and a half too I thought them getting to 25 seemed like it would be pretty difficult so I, I feel pretty good about this one even though if we don't know for sure where they would have ended up I mean the, their 82 game play pace and the raptor projection had them as being under where are they in terms of luck they were yeah they've actually won 1.3 more games than expected as well so feel pretty good about us both going with the under on this one this this might be uh, it'd be an interesting one to talk about at the end actually it's just whose season played out the most unexpectedly and whose season played out the most expectedly, but they would be a candidate for whose season played out the most expected.
1: Now we get to our first disagreement in the original over/unders. Detroit Pistons. The line was set at 38. You went over. I went under. I wasn't particularly confident in the under. It was more that general idea that I talked about previously in the Brooklyn section of that's the way things can break, and that is absolutely the way they broke for the Pistons after Blake Griffin had had such a wonderful 18-19 season. It just he went off the rails. The rest of the team just wasn't good enough to to handle it, and so now. 82 game pace, 24.8, Raptor projection, 23. One of the larger divergences from the over-under on the entire board.
0: Yeah, and the Drummond trade, we didn't necessarily see that coming. Griffin, I didn't expect him to be out for the year. Clearly him going out for the year really changed the calculation with this team and they've now started a full rebuild. There wasn't, with Tom Gore's previous attitudes, there wasn't really an indication that they would ever be willing to do that. So I, I do think that that's push this down a little bit but even as soon as griffin's injury happened they were going to hit the under i mean they even got more than expected from derrick rose and christian wood but canard has basically missed over half the year now like he was a really important piece for them if you look at the players who are available available you know langston galloway has had a really nice season they got more out of sfee than might have been expected as well you look at the players who actually played those players were probably a little bit above expectations also reggie jackson basically missed the whole year like that was that was another thing too but he was a big big health risk so uh, you you were absolutely right on this one should have given more credence to the health risk I mean we didn't know at the time we recorded this that Griffin was experiencing some soreness in camp and would miss the start of the year but certainly we were very very concerned about him especially after the old well he's gonna play on it because the doctors say that he can't do any more damage and then he'll have surgery after the season with his knee that didn't go too well
1: it, it did not. And hope for the best, you know, from the Pistons moving forward. But I, I don't know that there's really more to tell from their story. I think you did a good job summarizing. Like, the players they had played better maybe than anticipated, but their overall talent level due to injuries and everything else. And yeah. and Derrick Rose helped. I think Derrick Rose was an, was an important part of it. But he, that that wasn't enough, especially considering how horrible their starting lineup was to, to care so-
0: so I recalled this. If you uh, just from memory last year, what do you think they ranked in offense and defense last year?
1: I'm gonna go like seventh in offense and twelfth in defense.
0: The Pistons seventh in offense and twelfth in defense. No, no, you don't mean that.
1: I, I'm, I might not. I'm
0: no, no, because th- they would have had to be like a fifty-win team last year if that. Would
1: be I, I, I'm not this. Th- my brain's not in the right place for
0: that. Okay, sorry. Uh twenty-first on offense and twelfth on defense last year.
1: Okay. Oh yeah! Didn't they have a really bad second unit last? Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, they could. Cr- they really struggled to score with uh, with yeah. Griffin off the floor. Um, but I mean, for the defense. I thought they might take a little bit of a step back defensively. I thought they could actually be a little bit better offensively, which uh, probably didn't make much sense. But but ultimately, I mean, the other thing to remember, though, too, about these guys, 5.2 wins worse than expected. Now, that is worst in the NBA. So they're... They jumped the wolves. Yeah, they might have <laughs> been a little bit closer. But so they actually are the exact same on offense again this year, 21st, but down to 23rd in defense. And it was just it, their... Blake Griffin wasn't a positive but they've been on defense, but they've been going through a lot of times with, you know, playing Tony Snell at the four sometimes, and they just don't have a lot of good defensive players on this roster. I thought Drummond took a step back there as well, so before he was traded. But, I mean, I think if they, like, they're not as bad as a 20 and 46 team. I mean, they probably are at this very moment, but overall during the season, they weren't that bad. You know, they're more a 25 and 41 team, and they've been better than the Bulls. (laughs) Like, I, I think, uh until they've really have kind of gone in the tank to th- this last bit. But enough trying to defend myself. I, I was off by like 15 wins. I, I should just shut up.
1: One that was a lot closer is the Indiana Pacers. The Pacers over under was 47 and a half. And you and I both went under. It looks like the based on the way we're doing this, they're going to go slightly over. 82 game pace was 49.2. Raptor model had it at 48, which was right on the razor's edge. Like that, you know, that could have gone either way, depending on health and, and everything else. Depending on actually, you could argue how much Victor Oladipo played health or non-health. It it was important there considering some of what was going on when he was on the floor. But this is a very very successful season along that basis for the Pacers. Part of the reason why is because they they weren't as healthy. And the experiment, part of why I went under was I didn't think that the Sabonis-Turner combination was going to work. And I would say by and large, it did. And a stat that I thought was telling for the Pacers is that when Brogdon turner and tj warren were on the floor and the reason why i wanted to use warren as a proxy for like healthy wings those guys played about 1700 possessions together plus four net rating 1036 defensive rating and when you consider that oladipo played so little of those minutes that is pretty impressive for nate mcmillan and the rest of this team
0: yeah my supposition was that they would be a below 500 team without oladipo and I i was especially concerned about their defense and you know TJ Warren actually really took a step forward there they were able to defend with Turner and Sabonis on the floor Sabonis even though I do think he's a little overrated now took a a big step forward again this year Uh, Warren took a big step forward at Brogdon when he was available played much better than uh, we thought he might as well and uh, one of my concerns was that they wouldn't be able to be that efficient offensively because they had a lot of guys who could create but nobody who was really incredibly efficient and that's kind of been the the case I mean 17th on offense I thought there'd be a problem but I think they've just punched above their weight a little bit defensively they also have won 1.6 games more than expected so they may actually have ended up going under their point differential might have been under what was it 47 and a half or 48 and a half
1: the over under was 47 and a half
0: yeah so they might have still hit the under depending uh, on what had happened but I think I, I predicted them to be like five games worse than that uh because I thought right it was and- one of
1: our best bets because we thought uh, oh they were going to be so much worse when without Oladipo
0: and as it turned out Oladipo I think played even less he came back later uh, played less effectively so far missed time again with more knee soreness and back soreness so I think in the to that extent the prediction was correct but it was just a lot of guys really took steps forward in their first time in indiana i mean this was a tough group to peg because they had so many new pieces we also weren't believers in the sabonis turner pairing that to me has been better than expected so absolutely uh even if it did technically end up going under which it probably wouldn't have
1: that would have been the luckiest it would have been a lucky one
0: yeah yeah i mean the the idea was this is a below 500 team without victor Depot and that was incorrect
1: Let's keep taking our crow with the Miami Heat. The Heat over/under was set at 44.5. You and I both went under. It wasn't a best bet for either of us, but that you know, considering the overhaul and they, we weren't sure. I wasn't sure about their you know a couple couple of pieces with the theory of the team, and they were going over. I mean, 51.7 was their 82 game pace. Raptor had them at 51. This they were doing it, and that's in you know, even though the defense took a step back. I mean, for me, the big part of this was Duncan Robinson and Kendrick. None. Oh, oh you
0: didn't you didn't think that uh a guy signed on the last day of the season was uh gonna be one of the greatest shooters of all time have one of the greatest shooting seasons of all time on pace to hit over 300 threes at like 45 you, you didn't see that coming
1: sadly i did not could have made some money um
0: yeah you're just not watching enough g-league film danny that's your problem
1: that might be true actually <laughs> <laughs> but, but but yeah i mean and
0: well it was- it's a, it, as a quick aside i mean with what robinson is doing michael Mulder also out of uh miami system in sioux falls maybe that is a, a little bit of an inefficiency these really really good g-league shooters now the the concern with those guys they just can't hold up athletically a lot of times But, I mean, we could see a run on those sorts of players if Mulder continues to play well. And, obviously, Robinson, again, has been fantastic. So, that was... uh, I, I mean, it's been totally different with Miami because... Think their offense to me has been better than expected, but we thought they could be a defensive powerhouse. That hasn't really been the case. I I thought they would be the fifth best defense in the NBA. I had them in tier two with Utah and Toronto, and they've been well below that. But obviously the the shooting explosion from some of these guys has made up for that.
1: Yeah, and and as you said, you know, get that also the offense being better and the defense being worse is a factor partially the personnel that they've they put on the floor and and also some availability stuff. But yeah, an impressive season for them all the same that ties in pretty well with our next team
0: well can we talk about them a little bit more i mean another reason i went under for them was that I thought Jimmy Butler would miss a fair amount of time and mm-hmm. I thought they were going to be extremely dependent on him offensively because I didn't see a lot of other creators with this group uh but with uh, bio has really expanded his playmaking they've gotten a lot out of this you know running shooters off of guys at the elbows that, and so they didn't necessarily need that one just like line him up and knock him down pick and roll guy Dragic has stayed healthy throughout the season he's given them important minutes off the bench uh i was a little worried about their depth they uh, turned out to be pretty deep so it was uh, that was another thing that that was wrong about these guys um and and they they haven't won that many more games than expected they have had some pretty good shooting luck over the course of the season but obviously they were going to go way over this and and another thing that i think we maybe missed on was i kind of thought okay there aren't that many good teams in the east I only projected two to win over 50 games, and but what turned out was the bottom part of the East was so bad that I think those team, those top six teams were able to just soak up a lot of those wins in just incredibly easy games because all, all those teams at the bottom were so awful.
1: That's a great point, and and they were able to to get some of those wins against the the bottom of the East, and and the fact that there was a bottom of the East and not a bottom of the West worked out a little bit in in their favor too. But they they still did outperform it by you know you you brought up the point that it was it was on the small side but it it was meaningful now do you feel comfortable jumping to the bucks very much so the parallel so in a lot of other ways the bucks are are parallels to you know you could argue they're parallels to the 14-15 warriors but in terms of the over under i think that the 15-16 is is an appropriate one so remember that golden state team came the previous one had come out of nowhere they won the championship which milwaukee did not do last year and they had a really high number and the question was really like are they this good and number was 58 you know that basically means are they a 60 win team you and i both said yes and well maybe they weren't a 60 win team maybe before I'll be honest, injury towards the end of the pre-hiatus time they were a 70 win team so they blew through that number even with those lost games towards the end of this 82 game pace is 67 wins uh raptor model 65.
0: Yeah, and the reason I went over, despite that being a pretty high number, and despite the fact that we thought they weren't going to be pushed for the number one seed in the East, which ended up being correct, although part of that was because they were way above everyone else. If they had been right around 58, they would have been getting pushed by Boston and Toronto. But it was just the system that they have, that just they are able to just destroy teams in the regular season. We thought Giannis would get a little bit better i think it's fair to say that he has and i thought i had them as just a defense that most teams the regular season just were not gonna be able to score against i didn't i thought that was always going to be there i had tier my tier one of defenses were philly and milwaukee obviously philly did not come through with that but milwaukee did milwaukee had one of the greatest defenses of all time i can't say i quite saw that coming but i thought they would be you know among the league's best defenses that was a a great place to start and then they're going to have shooters around Giannis. i didn't think that the brogdon thing was going to hurt them that much during the regular year i still could in the playoffs to be sure but and they also had a ton of depth as well to withstand injuries so I I think this was, you know, did I see them being this type of a team? Not necessarily, but, you know, one of the greatest teams of all time for a period here? No, but I did think that their system and their depth would be enough to get them over that 58 mark. I, I didn't. Definitely didn't see them being, like, much worse. They went 60 a year ago, and they took their foot off the throttle late.
1: Right, and so, so yeah, it was an, an impressive season overall for them, and I th- I, I think it good to bring up the depth that they had and that that allowed them to withstand, especially injuries to support players. I mean, they until recently, they didn't have to do a ton with Giannis other than a few management games, Um, but, yeah, but they were able to handle those sorts of absences pretty well. Amazingly enough... Four of my five best bets were in the Eastern Conference. We've gone through three of them already, and then the fourth one is the New York Knicks over/under set at 27.5. You and I both bet the the under. We were, we both picked it as our fifth best bet and it was getting closer towards the end they were uh, after that brutal start to the year they were on pace for a 26 win season and raptor model had them at 25 so they it's fair to put them in the under column here though it did get closer towards the end
0: yeah the knicks were actually four and three in their last two weeks with the eighth ranked offense and 22nd ranked defense uh for the season however 29th on offense and 22nd on defense that 22nd on defense actually was way better than i thought Absolutely be uh but they just kind of had enough size on the floor especially uh, with mike miller i think they did a pretty good job defensively without a lot of guys you would look at as having a great defensive pedigree um but they do at least have a lot of size and they've kind of gone to this crazy lineup of late where they're just pounding the crap out of the offensive boards and but uh, overall i thought their spacing was going to be really bad their best pick and roll player was going to be RJ Barrett who would have no space to work and was a rookie he's been just as bad as i thought he would be uh, on offense and they Julius Randle has had a disappointing season because he's had no space to work with he's either you thought Mitchell Robinson is really good as a role man but they don't have the personnel to play spread pick and roll uh some of their shooters either were minimized or didn't get a chance to play that much Dennis Smith maybe has been the worst player in basketball we thought maybe he could take a step forward somehow that uh uh, that ship appears to have sailed unfortunately at this point so uh, this is they've actually been a little bit better than i thought they would be uh given some of the fundamental fit problems that this group had also marcus morris had a wonderful season uh and he got traded away obviously but it, he really to the extent that they were winning for a time it, he was a big part of that so that that's one thing that in season coming. i thought he actually would regress from last year where he'd had the best shooting season of his career and instead he was averaging 20 points a game and doing it efficiently yeah, absolutely and now he was never a guy who's gonna you know drive efficient offense for everyone else because he doesn't really penetrate or pass but at least, you know, to have somebody who's using up the amount of possessions that he was and putting the ball in the basket efficiently helps some. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I'm not going to declare a huge victory. It's just because they could have maybe gone over. I mean, getting to 28 would have been pretty tough given their projections. But they were trying. They were, were playing better, you know, maybe against just a bunch of bad teams. It could have changed for them. So... This isn't quite a victory lap one for me, but obviously to be 29th on offense, I mean, we saw all of their issues with spacing, all of their issues with being less than the sum of their parts with some of these players like uh, Morris and Randall and Portis that they signed, just all detracting from one another.
1: The Orlando Magic over-under, another one of our disagreements, one of our three in the East, uh, over-under was at 42 and a half. You went under, I went over. You were correct, I was not. um, The 82 game pace was 38. Eight and the Raptor projection was 39, which actually, considering some of the stuff that they faced this year, isn't that... You You didn't believe, uh, from what I recall, I mean, you, you listed the pod, but it was their offense was was shaky and then their defense yeah. last year was so good that that maybe yeah, that
0: especially was... down the end last year it had been really good I, yeah. and i didn't quite buy that but truthfully when everyone was healthy they did maintain that uh but i mean the offense i mean especially the first like month of the season you, you remember like they're shooting like 28 percent from three as a yeah. team i mean it was just atrocious even like some of their good shooters couldn't make a shot.
1: Yeah, it was basically just Evan Fournier in the early part of the season that was that was making shots and and his absence was felt towards yeah. the end of this this run. Um but yeah, and, and you know, if John Isaac had stayed healthy or some of the other things had been a little bit different, maybe this is close enough, but the I didn't heed my own lesson from the Detroit one, which is that you know, which is also part of the reason I went under on Detroit was Sometimes that, you, if you don't think that a team can go far over that number, it's a sign that maybe you shouldn't have as much faith in them. And so, like, I remember, I think I remember saying this on the pod. You listened to him more recently than I did. That, like, I felt more confident in, like, their 44 to 45 win potential. Yeah. And that's a bad sign like that that's a warning sign if you think that you know a team can get if you feel like they're going to get two to three wins over that there's a very distinct chance that they will but then the the question kind of gets to well are they going to go five to ten wins over or is that less likely because then maybe maybe there are things that can go wrong and
0: yeah that's a great way to look at it. Like, if you can't really see a scenario where you know they're more than five wins better than this, or at least in terms of their even team if count, you're
1: optimistic, like I was,
0: yeah, yeah. And, and now, like, so like I think KP's model had them, you know, in the high forties, like fourth in the East or something like that. Yep. And uh, I mean, another big reason I was low on them were. Regression candidates, DJ Augustin and Vucevic, that's a uh, has definitely come true. Um, I didn't believe at all in their backup point guard situation. It turned out to be Marco Fultz, he's actually been better than expected. And then he uh, ascended into the starting lineup. You know, he's if you had to look at because remember, when we we're doing this, we hadn't even seen him really shoot at all. Yep, when we were doing that pod, and so his shooting has probably been a little bit better than I thought it would be. Uh, when I found out that I mean, we didn't even know if he was going to play, I don't think at this point, but and and you know what to get out of him but you know he's been a below average starting point guard to be sure so yeah they just haven't had enough firepower offensively they've gotten a little bit better from the early days when they were 30th and you might say they've just kind of had a bad luck season shooting the ball but you could also argue they had a good luck season shooting the ball last year so it's I mean I think even when you know they weren't they didn't spend any part of the season like significantly over 500 to the point where you thought they were getting to like 43 wins even when some of the guys were healthy i mean also getting nothing out of Aminu was a problem i think we thought he would at least help their depth at power forward Absolutely. And that. but i mean we thought they had the most depth at power forward in the league and then two of those guys ended up being out for the season
1: anything else on the magic or do you want to move on to the to the sixers
0: yeah let's let's go ahead here I was under on them, right? Yeah. You
1: were, yeah. So the Philly over under was 55. You and I have both thought of them as a very dangerous playoff team. But that fifty five was just too high of a regular season estimate. we got a few examples of, of why that was the case. Over the course of the season, they were playing a forty nine win pace. Raptor projected that they wouldn't win fifty one, though I think it was more optimistic on Ben Simmons' return than ended up being warranted as we kinda got some details right as as the hiatus started. And for me
0: Yeah, S- Simmons was supposed to be out another three weeks. Um we did get an update there with with that nerve impingement. So hopefully that could be one silver lining of the the hiatus if he's able to come back and play in the playoffs.
1: Right. And, but part of the reason why that 55 was felt really high for the Sixers was we knew Joel Embiid was going to miss some time. That's just the way this, the way this works for him. And there were, there were very top heavy team that we, we didn't trust their depth. And I think that ended up largely being there and I I worried that they were going to have, you know, that they weren't going to have a consistent enough offense, even if their defense performed up to expectations. They ended up sixth in defense overall, which was was more in line. I mean, I hope they were going to be like a strong one or
0: two. What what was it like with Embiid on the floor? I think it, it it was strong. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, I mean obviously he didn't end up playing that much uh, as yeah, it uh, turned out. I mean a, a, and and just wasn't in the type of shape at the start of this year that he was at the start of last year either. He wasn't the same level of force, particularly if you look at some of the opponent's shooting numbers around the rim uh, with him in position.
1: Uh, okay, so when Embiid was on the floor, 1036 defensive rating, 96th percentile in the league, and then he had the ni- he had a 94th percentile differential. So their their defensive rating jumped from 1036 to 1116 when he was off the floor
0: yeah and i i had posited at the beginning here that this would be one of the greatest defenses of all time that it could be at a minimum and al horford just hasn't been the same particularly on defense also simply the fact that they decided they could play and beat and horford together offensively you know i think that ends up hurting the defense horford not the quickest guy getting out on the floor but still having that level of size and uh, defensively at the four and the five usually still helps um against most teams where he's not just getting totally run off the floor uh and you thought that he would come in and play some backup center and could really contribute there as well and their defense when he's been at center hasn't been that good so it's been a struggle for them to be sure but as i said before my prediction for them, you know, I think it was like 53 wins or something. They're going to kind of end up around there. It's just, it's, see, I didn't think this would be a big regular season team. Part of the, of what we're talking about with Embiid and, and Horford would require maintenance and they, they would have some growing pains offensively, all that. But it's just because Boston and Toronto and, you know, even Miami and Indiana are right around, of all exceeded expectations, and Boston and Toronto are well ahead of them, that this season seems more disappointing than the actual result. I mean, they've kind of been within a couple of wins of where I predicted them, but, you know, they've had drama and Horford not performing and being out of the starting lineup and, uh, and all the road woes and all that stuff, uh, I think, has given a little bit more of a negative vibe to this season than perhaps would have been warranted.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. And especially because of some of the ways that they've disappointed. I mean, that we we never really got to see the battle station fully operational. I think that's a kind of, it, yeah. it, that's how it, how it feels more disappointing. But that is a, f- a fair point to make.
0: Uh, But yeah, it was, I think we were both right on this. We were wrong about how good they would be at full strength, Yes, but we were right about them not being at full strength very often. And that's ultimately why I decided to go under and I think you did as well. So that part of it, I think we're correct about.
1: Sure. Our last disagreement, in the Eastern Conference, involved the Toronto Raptors. It is also, in my mind, the most prominent like disagreement where I would, like just straight up like I was wrong. Like you know, that that's the way to talk, talk about this. Over under was set at 46. They were blowing past that. Uh, 59, 82 game pace, 57 Raptor projection appropriately. And what I got wrong on them, a couple different things. I think this is a triumph of their their players. Also, Nick Nurse and Masai Ujiri, that they were able, you know, they were able to. Not only replace Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green, both of whom left not in a trade but through free agency where they didn't really have much of a capacity, so they the replacements were there. But remember, this wasn't an everything went right from a health perspective season for Toronto, they had to deal with a no. lot. They had to deal with a lot and still went through it. Their defense was amazing. Their offense was far better than I anticipated. Kyle Lowry had a great season. Pascal Siakam won available had a great season. Really, everyone. Everyone. Yeah. Ex-
0: Van Vliet moved into the starting Oh, round. yeah. Also, they just, they're also willing to play guys a lot of minutes, which uh, when they are available. I mean, then guys like Terrence Davis just came out of the woodwork. And Inobi has had a better season, really, than anyone yeah, and, just, and their
1: overall defense, both Nick Nurse trying different schemes, their personnel. I, I didn't think that all of that was going to translate when they lost some of their best defensive players. Marcus Gasol missed a bunch of the year due to the hamstring issues. They still, they still thrive.
0: Yeah, they are the number two defense in the NBA, although they are about three points per 100 worse than Milwaukee. But they uh, are still second by a... Uh, uh, 0.5 points per possession over the Lakers per cleaning the gas, and I think our biggest difference was on that defense. I thought they would be the number four defense in the NBA this year, and that they'd be around average on offense. And I think you you probably just didn't believe in their defense. Well, now you know I I think I picked them to just go barely over this because I wasn't sure that Lowry would come back. I was worried about their depth replacing both Leonard and Green, as you mentioned. So I, I'm I'm not necessarily chalking this up as a huge win. I'll I'll take it as a win. over over you but not at just in terms of like that i was right about them because i still you know they're gonna win 10 more games than i thought they would yeah
1: last team in the east and last team for for this episode the washington wizards over under set at 26 and a half we both didn't like their talent level overall i mean it was bradley beal and a bunch of a bunch of afterthoughts, really and i would say on in terms of process that was largely true but their offense really exceeded expectations 82 game pace yeah. 30.8 raptor projection 29 so i mean even though they had the this horrendous 116.2 defensive rating dead last in the league By a lot and I would argue that their talent level was really you know it wasn't that they dramatically outperformed it or anything like it's not like they had these breakout seasons but they just and it wasn't like they outperformed their point differential by that much it's just that 24 sorry 26 and a half wins ended up just being too low relative to their performance
0: well I was and you were 100% right about their defense Uh, we talked about before trying to identify who the best defensive player on the Wizards was was a, a pretty hilarious exercise But the biggest thing is that I underrated uh, Davis Bertans. Yes. Uh, And he just has been one of the best shooters uh, in the NBA. And I kind of underrated, too, that when uh, you—I thought, all right, you know, that they're really going to struggle for spacing, right? Their starting lineup was probably going to be Ish Smith and Rui Hachimura in it. Um, Thomas Bryan is a solid offensive center. I also did, I thought they would have nothing at backup center, but Mo Wagner actually has been pretty effective. He's given them some good spacing as well. So that second unit of him and Bertans, I, I thought they'd be terrible when Bradley Beal was off the floor, and they actually were still able to be relatively effective when he missed some of that time uh, with the, the sore knee. Beal has been better than expected, too, uh, if you, at least on offense uh because he's been worse than expected on defense the whole team has been about as expected on defense but I I had them in the 20s I thought maybe they could be in slightly below average offense with Beal on the floor because you look at it they're just like they didn't really have any creators outside of Beal and I thought their spacing wasn't going to be that good and I was wrong their spacing is actually awesome and they're able to get enough out of some of these secondary guys in terms of creation and and transition and just kind of bombing away and playing all offensive lineups Hachimura I don't think he's been amazing. I think he's a little overhyped, but he also has been better than expected. I thought he would be really bad. And he's been, you know, he's been acceptable when he's been out there offensively. And so all that, it's why we're going to be off by about, you know, probably three, four wins on them. It looks like, because it's all really the offense is what we missed on. Yep, yeah.
1: And and it was also the idea that gravity, I think that gravity was going to bring them down a little bit, even if they were a little bit better than this, but they've just been a little bit better. And so that, that didn't pull them all the way. Generally teams, generally teams in the twenties end up in the low twenties you know because of the way the way tanking and all that kind of stuff works even in the modern the modern map. yeah
0: well and the fact that they still are like <laughs> ostensibly yeah. in a playoff push right like we thought they'd be so far away from that but with those no i mean they're like the most likely team to upend somebody in the east right now now it's it's going to be a big problem i mean that's one of the things we could talk about too here is like teams like new orleans or sacramento or portland who i mean it seems very unlikely that will have a full rest of the regular season so i mean this is like a huge boon for memphis right now this uh stoppage sure and you know i don't think brooklyn was going to lose their spot anyway but just to have played some of the season and it is going to be a little unfair too because memphis had played a much easier portion of their schedule they had the hardest remaining schedule in the nba new orleans had the the easiest schedule remaining in the NBA, and now it seems unlikely that the f- full amount of that schedule is going to be played. So I don't know how those teams are going to make up the time. If there's seven or eight games left in the regular season, it's going to be extremely difficult. I mean, maybe they could come up with a way to have those games count for more or something. I mean, that's, but that that seems like it'd probably be too complex. So it, it's we probably that's the one thing I hadn't started thinking about that when this gets resumed especially in the west where memphis was in such a weird position where they had this big lead but the odds were kind of the same well now the the odds are very much in memphis's favor
1: yeah bondups and i actually talked about that a little bit on the real jam radio that this could be an opportunity for the league to try out the a small tournament for the eight seed or the eight and seven seeds
0: yes is. that's a, that's actually they should do that they should absolutely do that that would be awesome yeah it would be and and you know just you know maybe you give give memphis give whoever the eighth seed is a buy i mean just do the exact same play on tournament they're talking about doing um you know i mean you would still need to give teams some time to ramp up just in terms of like exhibition games and, or something yeah you know maybe you would or maybe you would just play like a, a five game regular season i mean i think there's even just for the teams that you know aren't even in playoff contention i think number one just to make back some of the revenue that they're missing, but number two, I think it'll just by this point even a meaningless regular season game at Chase Center. I think you know to see Stephen Curry play would mean a lot, right? Like uh, just for our nation and and people just to to be getting over this crisis. Just to have those games to be good so I, I think they should at least play some full regular season games but that would be having that tournament would be the fairest way to do the playoffs when you're just you're never gonna balance out the rest of the regular season yeah agreed uh all right well i guess we'll, we'll agree to bid you guys a good weekend we'll be back sunday night I haven't decided what we're gonna do yet oh i guess we'll do it we can do the west version of this maybe yeah um we'll we'll catch up on news a little bit as well and again everyone stay safe out there please try to get in touch with the people in your life tell them to get in touch with the people in their lives to practice social distancing we don't know how many people right now have this disease we don't have enough testing the only way to stop the spread right now is just basically to assume that everyone has it which is terrible and a massive failure of our society and i'm frankly really embarrassed by it and upset by it but There'll be plenty of time for recriminations later. Right now, we just have to look forward and do what needs to be done, which is basically assume that anyone in our society could be carrying this. And a lot of people could be doing it and won't even know it. So it's a a really, really big concern. And like I've been saying, we have to out-virus the virus with our behaviors make our the spreading of these behaviors more exponential than the spreading of the virus is the only way we're going to get on top of this and get back to normal as soon as we can but we'll uh, we'll keep giving you guys the content thanks for listening thanks so much for all your supportive messages to love to hear everyone's stories of what you're doing for social distancing how you're trying to get people in your life to do it i'll share some of those i'm going to keep sharing tips on how to talk to people in your life especially those who you know, can really make a difference if you own a business or or uh, some type of place where people congregate so thanks again for listening and uh, we'll be back in a couple of days